3: You hear the sound of those sirens, that can only mean one thing. Thank you for listening to another edition of the Outsider's Edge podcast, right here on the Chairshot Radio Network. This is your boy, Dr. S'mores, Mr. Kyle Morris, and I am with, as always, the Kenny to my Kota, Mr. Ray Cash Rance Morris. How you doing, sir?
2: Whoa! I'm only smoking mirrors. Whoa!
3: (laughs) Yo, look at us doing a show. Two weeks in a row. Wow, like when did that start happening? I know, right? It's almost like we consistent up in this bitch or some shit.
2: And if I'm if I'm being literal, I flew my ass home early to make sure I got the show in.
3: Well, I mean, we all knew that you weren't gonna miss an opportunity to tell the people that you told them so. So why don't you why don't we just go ahead and get it out the way, sir? Go ahead, tell. You can tell. I'm listening.
2: Well, since my esteemed brother is asking so Nicely. I told you motherfuckers this was going to happen.
3: Indeed. It's almost like we looked into the tea leaves and saw the obviousness of it.
2: It's crazy how sometimes something so obvious don't look so obvious, isn't it? Well, how long,
3: Brother Rance, have we sat here and said, it feels like Cody Rhodes is on one show and the rest of Dynamite, is, like,
2: this whole other universe. Since he had that dumbass stipulation where he couldn't fight for the world title. So what was that, in early 2019? (laughs) In February of 2022? Oh, I mean, but it's been at least
3: a year and a half now that we've been like, is this dude on the same show as the rest of the people that he works with? Because he over here on his own thing... And lo and behold, y'all, Cody Rhodes, Brandy Rhodes, no longer part of AEW. You know what else we told them people? You know what else we told them people, Riz? At some point, the rubber was going to meet the road, and like they weren't going to be able to keep all these people, and people were going to want money, and people weren't going to get money. And so...
2: You know it's funny because a lot of AW fans, when they thought of this that that situation and that scenario, they envisioned, oh well, Marco stunt may be gone. Peter Avalon, we don't need Peter Avalon. We got Adam Cole. I don't think it ever crossed their mind it was going to be the top guys. They were like, yeah, I'll see y'all later. So, and for the record, for the record, if we're looking at the facts of the story, this. It's it's being portrayed as a handshake. Hey, thanks for thanks for working together. This is an amicable parting of ways. Cody was fired. Don't like don't don't allow yourself to think of it any other way. And I say that because that Tony, Wade Keller stuff. Like, it, it's not that I believe literally everything
3: that Wade Keller says, as if it's gospel. I'm not saying it like that, but yeah. I'm saying like even if it's half true, it. Tells you everything that you need to know. So, like the gist of the uh, uh, what Keller had said is that number one, something that you and I have said a lot. Cody himself seems like a nice enough dude, good Mm -hmm. guy. Most people like him. His wife fucking sucks. She's a problem. She's a problem, and everybody else seems to also notice that she's a fucking problem.
2: And she's a problem, and she's their chief brand officer. Wow, so I was that's number one. Number two,
3: looked like your boy Cody got that main character syndrome. And if there's one thing main character syndrome Tony Khan's not going to tolerate, it's another main character in his main character. Oh yeah,
2: because he, he's free guy. He's the guy in free guy. This story is about me, bro. Nobody else.
3: Yeah, exactly. So, like, you know, Cody had himself a little bit of main character syndrome. He bought himself this big, fancy-ass tour bus that he would take to and from the shows. And he grew more and more insular. And, like, you and I had talked about how he had kind of used Dynamite to, like, cosplay The Miz in the sense that, like, he used it to get himself a bunch of network shows and a reality show and to, like, diversify his brand. Mm-hmm. Um, it also got into the fact that, like, the segments are a fucking train wreck all the
2: time now. Mm-hmm. Both of and, them. Not just Cody's, Brandy's too.
3: Yeah, both of the segments are a fucking train wreck, and in the case of Cody, he apparently is be was pulling some Bray Wyatt and just refusing to, like, change course when they... We're like, oh, well, maybe if the entire crowd hates you, you should stop acting like you're the main character.
2: Yeah, like the world's greatest babyface. Yeah, like Hogan in 89. Yes. Yeah, maybe you
3: should, I don't know, do what the crowd says, like you always claimed you were gonna.
2: And in the word of AW, that's supposed to be gospel. If this was WWE, I could understand staying chorus. But over there, you're supposed to pivot from what I've been told. Well, and more to the point, though, I think the bigger thing that the report said is
3: something that, like, I totally can believe, which is at one time when the company started, Cody was indisputably one of their biggest stars. He was someone to build the brand around. And more importantly, at that time, he was at the height of his goodwill with the crowd. The crowd still loved Cody at that
2: point. And importance backstage, too. Yes. Yes.
3: Yes. And so, like, when the company was first getting off the ground, he provided lots of value. Then they signed CM Punk. Then they signed Brian Danielson. Then they signed Adam Cole and Keith Lee and, like, names that are big enough where, like, now you look at it and you're just like, do I need Cody Rhodes? Between, like, the Brian Danielsons and the CM Punks. And the Adam Coles that I already have, and the young guys like MJF and Darby Allen and Sammy Guevara that I've started to build up. Like, do I need Cody anymore?
2: Let me add one point while you're there, because this is important. This co- this context is important to that story you're telling. Cody could never ascend to a certain level of 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 popularity there or importance there on screen. Because he booked himself into a match where if he lost the world title, he lost the match against Jericho for the world title, he could never fight for the world title again as long as he was there. So he was always, from a booking standpoint, because over there, the world title is supposed to be the most important thing, right? Right. From a booking standpoint, he was always going to be in the mid-card. So he could never ascend to a certain level on the card, which is why his stuff felt so disjointed. Adam Cole can walk in, and he's had his own ups and downs, but he's had more main events in the past three months than almost anybody. Punk, Brian had his first match was against the world champion, so it's like these guys are already bigger names than you. Oh, they're and by the way, we have still have Kenny. In. They still have Kenny, and oh, and and um, Moxley. But, but yeah, all all the other people that they have, yeah, you know, Kenny and Moxley notwithstanding, but those guys are bigger names than you. They brought in. They have more gravitas than you, and they're not beholden to one portion of the card. Like you made yourself.
3: And so it all apparently came down to Cody wanted top guy money. And Tony said, you ain't a top guy anymore, bruh. The big thing you used to contribute was creative and branding. I run that shit now. So like, what else you got for me? And so when Cody couldn't get top guy money, Cody chalked up the deuces and rolled out. And he's gonna roll on into the land of McMahon and cash in that Brinks truck. Because the thing is, for whatever AEW would probably consider top guy money, Vince is just like, "Yeah, I'll give you that in a WrestleMania match."
2: All of the all of the reports are that when Kevin Owens resigned, he resigned for three million a year. Kevin Owens won't win a world title this year. Probably not. Probably won't even sniff one either. Right, probably want to be in a world title match this year. <laughs> but it's okay though, because
3: like we'll get to how he's gonna break some bread, come mania
2: uh, here in a minute. Yes, sir. Um, but the br- only reason I bring that up is because now Kevin Owens is a main eventer. I'm not saying this is some guy on the bottom of the card. He's an upper card to mid, upper upper mid card to main event level talent. There, looked mm-hmm. at that way, booked that way, so on and so forth. Three million dollars is like. Maybe he's the 12th most highest-paid wrestler there. $3 million in AEW is number one easy. So if Cody comes in making $3 million.
3: Because because what did I say before? Because what did I say before? When it comes down to a bidding war between AEW and WWE, does the Khan money run longer than the McMahon money? Yeah, it does in a macrocosm. You're right. It does. However, McMahon money is only in this shit. Yes. McMahon money begins and ends with this shit. So whatever it takes to keep the talent is what they going to pay to yep. keep the talent. Yep. Tony, at the end of the day is still spending daddy's money. Daddy going to look at Tony and be like, bruh, bruh, I know this is your little pet project, and that's real, real cute, but, like, Russia and Ukraine is about to go to war, and daddy's (laughs) oil money don't go as long as it used to. So, like, I'm going to need you to chill.
2: That's the best part of this story that I loved that made me so happy is because we've been saying this for years, that just because the cons have more literal money doesn't mean they have more wrestling money. And this is not only proof, but I believe it was a direct quote that it didn't fit under his budget. Well, you don't have a budget if you got unlimited funds. If they had unlimited funds, I'll throw Cody his $3 million and let him rest whenever he wants. I don't care. But they got a budget and it didn't fit. So what makes more sense to, to, to Tony Khan? And this is the most interesting part about this whole story to me is Tony actually deciding to be fiscally responsible. That's the most important, the most uh, interesting thing to me about this. What's more important, me resigning Cody or me going to get Keith Lee and Buddy Matthews and a couple other guys who are going to be all major stars who can ascend, again, ascend the card as as I wish. And that's, and it, it, I mean, it's good business. It makes sense to me.
3: It is good business. And I mean, you know. On the WWE's end, it's smart business to do this because from a like look standpoint, it looks good to say that you signed one of the EVPs of your chief competition.
2: And like, the founder, because there was no AEW without the, the all-in bet.
3: Um, on the flip side, you know, regardless of how much money they give him, it's just one of those things where I'm just like, oh, but you cut out on people for budgetary reasons. All right, then.
2: We know what's up. That's bullshit, but we know what's up. And you, I mean, you're the first person that made me think about that because I this whole two days, I had forgot about the budget cuts thing. No, uh, that's why really the budget, budget
3: cut thing. Well, that's why the budget cut thing feels so duplicitous because like they lied to us about it. Well, yeah, because it's just like you're talking out of both sides of your mouth. Can I uh, understand the argument that you're making for why you say that it is and why you feel the need to do it? And like, is this worth what I'm paying someone? Sure, I can understand that argument. I can get that argument. But at the same time, if you're going to do that, then like shouldn't you be under a hiring freeze also? Because like in the world I come from, when we cut into budget, that also means we've frozen
2: hiring. We're not adding to the budget either. That's the disgusting thing about it is that firing people in the middle of a contract or people, especially people who just signed a contract is always reprehensible, you know, and things happen, right? There are reasons and whatnot, but by and large, the way they did it and what and what they did it for was bullshit and reprehensible. Meanwhile,
3: meanwhile, Mustafa Ali can't even so much as get a
2: whiff of his release talking about I'll see y'all in two and a half years. Man, yeah, that that I don't even get started on that. That shit pisses me off. That's. So fucking bullshit. It, uh, let that man go. But I, in in terms of the budget cut thing, the thing that bothers me about it, or, or the releases, the thing that bothers me is, quite frankly, y'all don't even really owe us a reason why y'all did it.
3: Mm-mm.
2: So to tell us this fucking prop- propensity lie just made it worse. All you have to do is say, you know what, we're releasing talent to make room for more talent. Yeah. You're, you you always
3: yeah you always talk to us about how they're independent contractors. That's why y'all don't give them health insurance and shit. So like, yeah. why are you but giving you, us a reason say, now all of a sudden?
2: But to say budget cuts and then go right after you s- let these people go and run a tryout, and now you're hiring people for millions of dollars, you know, or bringing back Brock or Goldberg or Alita. And again, I ain't against it. Do what you nah. do for, it. but at millions of dollars, like we know the game. Like just don't just we know the game, we know the grift. Just don't like if I'm if I'm if I'm on the street playing three card Monty, right, with somebody, don't lie to me. Like I know it's a grift, but don't sit here and make me feel stupid about it being a grift. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like that makes sense. Y- yeah, like lie to me about lie to me in your story. Don't lie to me in your business. And that's the one thing WWE always did to me until recently that I respected over something like AEW because AEW for so often would would Tony would say shit in real life and in story and everything would be and but he would always he would play Tony Khan the character in Tony Khan real life. And Cody had that issue that issue too where they would say bullshit on we, we, we talked about the nauseam with the original um press conferences. where well, they 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 were those were business press conferences they were talking shit and then but said all oh, this bullshit and then had to go afterwards and say, Well, I didn't really mean that. Equal pay. Uh, the women are gonna be paid as equal to the men and everybody's gonna have health insurance. Well no, there's a tiered system of pay here. And oh yeah, everybody will have health insurance, but the people who have a corporate job have health insurance, not the rest like if you don't say bullshit, you don't have to fix bullshit.
3: Yeah. Don't say things that need to be qualified and you' gonna be good to go, like, but you know, Cody, t- uh, Cody wants everybody to think that he took his ball and went home. Not true. And but you know Tony, who did Tony take Cron their Cron ball? Tony Khan told
2: that man. To, Tony the man to take his ass and get on out of there. That's what happened. Yeah, Sorry. but
3: you know who did it? You know who did take their ball and go home? Once upon a time, Rance.
2: Oh, you Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. Well, okay, so so let's do this because I, I want to talk to Stone Cold stuff but I do want to get your opinion on what, what Cody could be in WWE. And this is the part we can talk about this together because both of these are walking into WrestleMania season. What can Cody be in WWE? Think about it. I'm going to tell you what I would do. And we're going to talk about Austin right after this. I'm going to tell you what I would do. If I had the book, if I was Vince McMahon, um, however you want to, you can... With respect to Lashley, what I would do is I would have Seth win in the chamber and I would have Cody fight Seth for the title of WrestleMania. Walk in that bitch in the title picture and win the fucking title of WrestleMania. And I'm going to tell you why. You will never, ever get hotter with Cody Rhodes than you are right now. Never. Cody could ha- Cody could come up with the greatest storyline in the history of storylines two years from now. It won't be as hot as him coming back, coming from the other company, as a completely free free agent, no, this ain't no, this ain't no 90 day uh, non compete where I got sitting home for three months. I am fresh and clear. I just, def- I just defended my TNT title two weeks ago, and I'm walking into your show, and I'm gonna be in the main event and win a champion. The cha- one championship I can never win. My dad can never win. My brother could never win. In my daddy's home state, because my daddy from Dallas, my daddy from Austin, I'm in Dallas, you will never get hotter. Whatever else you do, if he stardust in two years or he's fighting in the mid-card against our truth in two years, doesn't matter, because the hottest you can get with that dude is right now. That's what I would do with Cody.
3: I mean, I feel like Cody's real ceiling in terms of what Cody brings to the table even with Brandy, I think the ceiling of what Cody brings to the table is upper mid-card at best. Oh, wow, okay. But, like, I could see you giving him that hot potato title run for a hot minute. Um, I just, like, I, I, don't, I don't put disrespect on the term upper mid-card. Like, you can build a solid career. Like, Kane's a piece of shit as a human, but, like, as a wrestler, Kane built a Hall of Fame career out of being
2: an upper mid-carder. But I think it's disrespectful to Cody, because Cody was the quintessential upper mid Carter and left. And, I, and, and for him to... Now, I get it. This is a payday. Don't get me wrong. He's going to get paid. You but know, I just but... don't see him coming back just for the money. I would... if Because... Th- real quick, real quick. The one thing about Cody is he left because he didn't feel he was being... He viewed himself higher than WWE viewed himself. And really? so he left to make himself... To prove to Vince you were wrong. So the, he can't prove to Vince he was wrong, if and how did the, he to prove to Vince
3: he was wrong? He was a he was a mid carder everywhere he went except for Ring of Honor. He was a mid carder in New Japan. He was an upper mid carder in AEW. He
2: was mid card everywhere he went because that's what he is. You're right, but the difference is he was a draw. I that's mean- the difference. He he brought more money to those companies. With him than before than without him, and he and he was the catalyst, the mind behind and the booker behind the biggest non WWE wrestling show in 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 history, right? All in. He he was the one that got Ring of Honor's biggest. You you gave Ring of Honor credit for that, but SuperCard of Honor, him and Kenny, and then he's the catalyst behind AEW. So while he is a mid Carter, sure. He shows, he's shown, he draws, he brings money. I mean, ultimately,
3: could I see him winning the WWE title? Vince McMahon won the WWE title. I could see anybody winning that shit. great point. They put that shit on a 50-something-year-old Goldberg. Like, I could see anybody win that shit.
2: That's a great point. That's a great point. Um, and you know Vince loves giving thank you reigns, so.
3: Yeah, yeah, he all about give that loyalty reign.
2: Yeah, I mean, well, and,
3: that's, and then Co- Cody can win the title, and then he can finally fulfill his dream of main eventing
2: Starcade. they <laughs> <laughs> they gotta bring back Starcade in Greensboro just for his ass. It's gonna be a house and it'll show still be a, I was gonna say it'll still be a house show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh Peacock man. special. That's oh, that's right. Peacock specials and premium live events. I forgot the new names. Um, yeah. I, I don't. I'm not sitting there saying he's gonna be a main eventer for life, but I mean. You know that's why I say right now he's gonna he's gonna he's gonna uh, he's gonna fall back to normal.
3: But here's my thing, like legitimately speaking, like if they threw him on Raw, which is where the WWE title currently is, Austin fucking Theory is in the Elimination Chamber match, so it ain't like Cody is too far off from top card status.
2: I'm just saying, and we've been talking at nauseum about. What are they going to do with the WWE Championship, right? Lash is the champ now. Are we going to have Lashley Seth? We know KO apparently is heading in a different direction that we're going to pivot to here in a sec. What are you going to do with the world title? Seth versus Cody has so much history because, number one, remember, the Shield made Cody's life hell when he was there, right? And then Seth has the type of character that is so Joker-esque and so Breaking the Fourth Wall-esque that he's the one that can get away with pushing and priding Cody about leaving at AEW and then making sense. And Cody, only other person that can get a great match out of Cody, but that is, other than AJ and Roman, is going to be Seth.
3: Well, I mean, here's what I'm going to say. After he finally loses the belt and goes back where he belongs in the card, I cannot wait for him and The Miz to feud over him stealing The Miz's gimmick.
2: SummerSlam, baby. <laughs>
3: Summer slam. Ms. <laughs> and Maurice versus Cody and Brandy over them trying to cosplay as Ms and Mrs.
2: That's the real question. That's the real question to me. And this may sound stupid, but it's a I believe it's an honest question. Do they sign Brandy too? Oh girl.
3: If if like the if the Wade Kettler shit is even remotely true, I feel like Cody gonna like strong arm him into that shit, like Listen, listen, just sign her to be my valet. I'll explain that she's not allowed to wrestle. It's gonna be all right. Brandy gonna
2: fuck around and pull up an Eva Marie and just start acting out of nowhere. <laughs> nah, Brandy gonna
3: fuck around. Nah, Brandy gonna fuck around and pull a Melina and get her man fired from two companies.
2: Oh, shit. Wow. You you, you pulled the Melina card, and that's your girl. And Melina I love yeah, yeah, but it happened.
3: But, but that it happened. shit happened. Did. Yeah, some is. of that falls on john for being stupid enough to do that shit oh you perhaps. notice you notice he didn't fall on that sword a second time
2: goddamn right God No, even though he learned his lesson
3: oh like even though even though he was pushed onto the sword later anyway he did not intentionally fall on that shit a second time
2: no 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 two men that have learned their lesson about bad relationships in wrestling guard drew mcintyre with tiffany because that's when he Ooh, got fired the first girl. time.
3: Them young fans don't even know that story. Oh, well.
2: Hey, how about your boy want wants some history? <laughs> and I Melina know. and Jomo. Yeah, yeah. That. The Drew McIntyre Tiffany story is a hell of a story. If you wonder about Drew McIntyre mm-hmm. all of a sudden became Drew Galloway, go look at the Tiffany story.
3: All I'm going to say is, like, legitimately, as much as I was never here for Drew the character, I've always been here for Drew the person because...
2: Believe survivors, damn it! Believe survivors. Men to that, a hey, fucking men to that. Ooh, <laughs> <All right. laughs> austin, yes,
3: yeah. Oh, that's a uh, fucked up ass. I know, like, from, like from survivor to abuser, but like, okay. <laughs>
2: anyway, we'll do better, guys. We promise. Anyway.
3: So Stone Cold. Uh we already said a minute ago we were gonna talk about how KO's gonna make that bread at WrestleMania. KO gonna earn his bread at WrestleMania because he's gonna have himself a match with Stone Cold. At least that's what
2: I think gonna happen. You still think it is? I, I, I'm not convinced there's a match yet. I there will definitely be a segment. I'm not convinced there's a match, but if there was ever a time for Austin this is what's weird about it. Austin has been healthy for 10 years, longer than it may be, right? Like five years after he retired, he was back completely healthy again. So, like, he could have come back and wrestled whenever he wanted. But he has stayed away for this long out of principle, right? Almost like Sean did. And it took Saudi blood money for Sean to get that to come out of retirement for one match. I Main event, not main eventing, but being a marquee match in Dallas, two nights, 100,000 people. That may be enough to get Austin back, bro. And I mean, I'm not talking about I'm not talking about t-shirt and jeans, Austin. I'm talking about the the vest and the trunks, Austin.
3: I mean, I've asked this question I think three weeks in a row now, man. How many zeros? For Austin, there'll be quite a few. Uh, but that's all I'm saying, man. Like they about to have blood money. So they, if, like if, they're literally about to have blood money, and he won't even have to be at blood money. And if they're smart, and they put him with either of Kevin or Sammy, who are shitting on Texas right now, um, like Kevin and Sammy will sell a feud on their own. So it ain't like you got to do a whole lot of work other than show up, fuck them up, Luthes, uh, Stunner, Steve Wiser's, and
2: we're out. Well, it's gonna be it's gonna be Seven versus Knoxville. Apparently, what's looking like at WrestleMania. I mean, so,
3: so like, I saw the new Jackass movie because my boyfriend wanted to see the new Jackass movie, and, like, I... I know that's
2: not your thing, yeah.
3: I'm just, like... No, not only is it not my
2: thing, but I'm just, like, I feel like this is not aged well. Well, I and I think they would agree with you, which is why they brought the four new people.
3: Yeah, yeah. Speaking of, like... A grown-ass man calling himself Poopies is like...
2: Yeah, when I heard... So, I haven't seen the movie, and there's one particular part in the movie that that's the reason why I haven't seen the movie. If you know me, you know why. We're not going to talk about it on air. Um, but uh, I heard Knoxville refer to Poopies, and I, much like your boyfriend, was a jackass fan as a kid. Like, I loved it. It was because c- I was really into skateboard culture and those kind of things, and it was funny to me at the time and whatnot. And um, I know you said something that made me think about it differently than I've ever thought about it. Um, but I always looked at it as while they are doing horrible, terribly mean things to each other, you, there's a love there that you can see in between them. And you said something earlier that we can talk about. We don't talk about on air, but we can talk about it in private that made me rethink that. Um, but I always looked at it as there was like a love there between them, even in the pain, which is, always drew me to it. Um, but yeah, when I heard Knoxville say that, yeah, Poopies was doing this, and I was like, who the fuck is Poopies? <laughs> now I I know Jasper Dolphin because if you're a fan of Tyler the Creator and his own group Odd Future, Jasper was a part of Odd Future, so I was hyped for Jasper. But fucking Poopies, the fuck is a Poopies? Yeah, that I was just like, damn,
3: like, all right, then that was a choice. That was an interesting choice to make. But I
2: mean, live your gimmick, man. Live your gimmick. Hey, what you say? How many zeros? Look, <laughs> enough zeros will make me re- enough zeros will make me at least broach the idea of calling myself poopies. I can tell you that. Well,
3: I mean, you know, that's facts. And you know, much like Austin and Poopy's got to pay some sh- bills, we got to pay some bills, y'all. So we're gonna take a quick break here, and when we come back, we're gonna talk about uh, the rebirth of a show or death of a show? I don't know. We're going to talk about some stuff.
0: Promotional consideration paid for by the following. Hey, folks. PC Tony here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code CHAIRSHOT. Head to angrylemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's (laughs) angrylemonade.net.
3: Thanks for helping us pay those bills, y'all. And if you enjoy this content that we provide here on The Chair Shot, we encourage you to go to prowrestlingtees.com forward slash The Chair Shot and get you some of that sweet, sweet merch, perhaps a hashtag journalism t-shirt in that soft style
2: because it feels oh so good on your skin. And it should feel better because it's our shirt, so pay us, please. I mean, yes. Yeah. You
3: know, insert Matt Cardona plugging some bullshit because that's what he does.
2: How about he's a new Matt NWA Cardona. champion? Can I can I, can I take two, uh, just one minute to say, say something about that? Yeah, you can take as many minutes as you want. I I think it's hilarious that Matt Cardona called himself the Internet Champion 15 years ago, and now he literally is the Internet Champion because he's only winning these championships in and in for Internet t- companies. But I will say this. For a company that the best they could do is Trevor Murdoch, Matt fucking Cardona is a huge step the fuck up. I'm just saying.
3: Congratulations
2: to Matt for being a step up for a change. Um, And one more thing, one more thing, real quick. I will say this. It is nothing to the level of what Drew did or what um, Cody has done. But Matt is, he is one of the few people that's actually raising his profile slightly outside of them. But he's
3: an example of what we have said before on the show in terms of the lowest name. On the card in WWE is instantly the biggest name
2: well, in insert company here. you a basketball fan. There's a video that went viral years ago of a, you basketball fans know this name, of Brian Scalabrini. Oh, Brian. The Red Mamba. Oh, oh. The, that poor, those poor kids thought they wanted some. And he and, and these kids challenged Brian Scalabrini because they're like, he, you trash. And,
3: and, to respect but no, to respect the old head, he tried to warn them. He tried so many like they kept trying to challenge and he kept being like, Y'all don't want it. Y'all don't <laughs> want it. Y'all don't want it. Yep. And finally, he was just like, All right, I guess they want it. That reminds me of so you know I'm a hockey guy. Yes. And there was a minor league there's a minor league team in Charlotte. And when I was growing up, they were at the double-A level. So, like, this is, like, you know, not even right below the majors. This is two levels down. Charlotte had a player that year, though. His name was Peter Worrell. And it was a big deal that they had him when they did, because this was, like, towards the end of his career. But he, at one time, when he was in his prime, set an NHL record for penalty minutes in a season. Oh. He was this, like big, dark skin, like, big, big, dark skin black dude, which also made him stand out black hockey player. Like, there sure. are not very many. Sure. Um, and he was an enforcer. Like, he was a known fighter. NHL-caliber fighter, obviously, because he set the NHL record for penalty minutes. So, <clears throat> because he was on the team, all these young kids from these other wow. A teams thought they wanted some. And I will never fucking forget. Charlotte was playing the team out of Augusta. And the kid from Augusta challenges Peter to a fight. And Peter's shaking his head to the kid like, you don't want to do this, man. Like, you don't <laughs> want to do this. Because hockey fights are like... People think that, like, it's just a matter of everybody's always down. No, like, you have to formally challenge somebody, and they have to formally accept it. Like, that's how that works. And he kept shaking his head, like, nah, dude, you really don't want to fucking do this. But the kid, he, like, had already dropped his stick, dropped his gloves, had taken his helmet off. Like, he was ready. He's like, nah, we're doing this. We're doing this. And so finally, we're all just like, all right, man, I tried to warn you. Takes his helmet off. Drops his gloves. One punch. Oh, my God. Brands, this kid went down stiffer than a fucking board. They had yep. to stretcher him off the ice.
2: Oh, my, my God. Because he knocked him out.
3: Because he knocked him out. They he, Like, he straight knocked him cold. Because he caught him. And that is what we're talking here when you got a professional in a land of not ready to be professionals. And that's a similar thing with Matt Cardona. You got a 12-year WWE name that people recognize on a roster full of, like, Trevor Murdoch was our champion. Who took the belt from? Magnus.
2: Who had held the belt? Forever. Forever. I, no words. You very well said, bro. Um, yeah, Mac. This is the most Matt Cardona run he's ever gonna get on this fucking show. I like he got five minutes, so shout out to Matt Cardona for getting five minutes on the outside of his edge. Oh man, okay. I mean, um, he got
3: five minutes. Meanwhile, a better free agent, Josh Alexander, only gonna get a quick one. Where you think he gonna go? I think he resigns. I think if he doesn't resign, he'll end up reforming the North in AEW.
2: Well, that would be the second time in two years Scorpio Scott got kicked out of a damn tag team.
3: <sighs> the disrespect.
2: Um, I, I would hope he wouldn't fall back into a tag team because he's shown himself to be a really good singles guy. Is he a top-of-the-card guy in a major show, major, major company? No. But he's definitely a mid-card guy. Yeah, um, He's the type of guy that NXT could use. Yeah, but I don't think he's the type of guy that they want anymore. He's, he's not. That's why I said, could use. Because they could use an old head like that to kind of help get the guys who they, like I told DeAngelo, who has, you can clearly see he has potential, but he needs some tuning. Like, that's why he's in a few with Pete Dunne. Man, put somebody like that in a field with Josh Alexander and let him stretch him and work him and get him ready for the main roster in the ring. But yeah, no, he, he's going to go to AW, but I, I would I impact's gonna do what they can to keep him. Yeah, I agree. Um so we did all that to skirt around
3: this topic, but I guess we might as well just talk about it. So they finally canceled two oh five live.
2: Uh, yeah, they canceled it, but it's more like a like a reformat. But it is it is an official depth of, of the of the idea of two oh five, yes. Yeah, so
3: 205 Live is gone, much like the Cruiserweight division is gone. Um, that was fumbled almost from the very beginning. We all saw it coming, and it was yeah. unfortunate, honestly. Um, however, they are finally doing something else that they probably should have done a long time ago, which is give NXT another uh, show. Um, they're calling it NXT Level Up. It has yeah. a very, I mean, Honestly, like, my first thought is, I'm like, gosh, this has, like, a very AEW dark feel to it.
2: Well, that's the idea behind it. But if we're honest, 205 Live was dark before there was a dark. Right? There. So the thing is that here's why 205 didn't work, in my opinion. And it's relevant to the whole level up situation. 205 Live didn't work because you can't show you can't showcase cruiserweights in a company where cruiserweights are your main champions. So why is Finn Balor fighting for the world title or Seth Rollins is the top guy on the shield? But then fucking Drew Gulak and Buddy Murphy have to be in the 205 Live division and must Lee. It doesn't it never made sense, which is why it didn't work. Because the guys that they really cared about pushing weren't in the fucking the division. And the guys that cared about who were in the division pushing got pulled out of the division. Cedric, Buddy, Ali, and so on and so forth. So it never worked in that sense. And from that point, 205 Live became essentially NXT Dark. You know, in, in recent times, since since the weight limit has kind of gone away. And it, I think they did the weight limit thing very clever with the whole Roddy Strong and... um. Joe Gacy and whatnot, I think they did it at least clever from a storyline perspective as to why the championship wasn't a a weight-class championship anymore. But kind of from that point, 205 Live has had everybody wrestling on it. Odyssey Jones has been on it. Lash Legend has been on it. Nikita Lyons, who is debuting officially this next week, wrestled on it a couple weeks. So it had just kind of been an extra WWE main event for NXT. So now, f- fully rebranding it and making it lock in step with the actual main show storylines makes a lot of sense. And there's no need to call it 205 Live when nobody on the fucking show is a cruiser. You know,
3: the only cruiserweight that they ever successfully transitioned from cruiserweight to main eventer is Rey Mysterio. And that was back during a time period where they more rigidly enforced the weight limit.
2: Yeah, but this is going to sound disrespectful. I don't mean it to be. Cuz people like Ali are charismatic enough to be put on the same vein where they're pushed appropriately. They could be that way. But I think the reason for that is because Ray was so charismatic and so and was such a merchandise seller that you could draw money. Ray drew money. Right? with respect and again i'm because well, sure here's the because ray was
3: smart enough ray was smart enough to identify a niche and fill it and i don't mean niche in terms of being latino i mean he was the only enmascara in, in like the company really well, at the time and so like those ma- those masks and the combinations that he could wear and the different colors and they were bright and he had a flashy style and all that shit,
2: it was just a recipe for printing merch. Well, you know what's funny? You know what's funny about that, what you just said? You know why he wore a mask in WWE? It was Vince's idea.
3: Oh, yeah, because he had, because it was a controversial thing at the time, because yep. he had lost yep. the mask. Yep. And, like, he had, like, he is unique in that, like, he petitioned, the, like, governing bodies of Lucha Libre to, like, approve him going back to being in Mescata.
2: 100%. 100%. So, yeah.
3: And now what I do appreciate about that and is hilarious is, like, so uh, that was a thing. And now they go out of their way to try to, like, pretend the world has never seen his face. (laughs) and <laughs> I'm just like oh, Meanwhile, Bro, I remember the filthy animals sir I remember you coming out with the fucking devil horns and Billy Kidman
2: you ain't gotta go that far his, on his own Instagram he, he he's without his damn mask so it's like yeah we can go back and look in the network and see that but just go look on his Instagram you'll see him with his daughter and you know with Aaliyah and no mask but the point about Rey Mysterio to get back to this is Ray drew money, and with respect, nobody in in, in the two or five lot the ever gave a chance to. With maybe slightly Enzo for like a a cup of coffee, drew any money. They wouldn't yeah, give it it an opportunity.
3: Like he been hitting them roids, brah.
2: Oh yeah, oh yeah. What is he gonna do? I mean, that's facts. That's so facts. yeah. That's that that's that's the issue with that. I I, I don't think it's significant in that it's literally like covering with a new coat of paint. It's the same thing that they were doing. Um, but I'm curious to see two things, and tell me if I'm wrong. One, will they, will they actually carry storylines across the lines? Or will it be like WWE main event where they're left in their own world? And two, I'm sure it's already happened, but I haven't seen it yet. Will AEW fans take that as, well, they're copying us, even though 205 Live has been... At nine o'clock central time after SmackDown for five for five years now.
3: Oh, I mean, though, I'm sure they're gonna say, "Oh, what about Rampage? Trying to go ahead to have a rampage? That's what Rampage is on the TV." <laughs> uh, okay, bro. Like,
2: so watch fucking Rampage. I mean, it's it's crazy how both of their shows. And again, no qualms. Do what you do. It makes it makes perfect sense for them business wise, but both of their shows, they started Dynamite on Wednesday when NXT had been there for for years, and they put Rampage on Friday after SmackDown when 205 Live had been there for years. But WWE is the one looked at infringing upon the time slots. That shit is weird to me, but another conversation for another day.
3: I mean. It's because NXT, NXT, it's because AEW stands can't handle criticism, just like their fearless leader. Well, we know.
2: Cult. Speaking of criticism, perfect fucking segue. Uh, because speaking of criticism, the the most recent situation involving Tony and not taking criticism was the Big Swole interview, right? Mm-hmm. I think that I'm sure there's something else that's happened since then, but I know that was huge. We've had another interview that's come out from a person. Who Tony can't say can't wrestle or isn't worthy. Former AEW Women's Champion Hikaru Shida, who at one point was the ace of the division. Yeah, right. Was the ace that had held the championship almost a damn year, right? Had an interview, and um, and it was in Japan because I believe she's back in Japan right now, and I feel yes, I, she is back in Japan right now, and I. I feel for a lot of the Japanese wrestlers because of COVID because it's hit them hard with international travel. Um, do you want me to break it down first? Did you have any initial thoughts you want to jump in? Because I, I don't wanna I don't want to not allow you to say what you want to say before I start reading some quotes here.
3: I just want to say my only initial thought is I feel like she echoed a lot of the same sentiments. Um from and spoke them from a different perspective um i also want to say that i don't think aew does enough to help the joshis
2: well let me give you some proof behind that this is these are the red quotes from karushita and i want to cite um this was uh for uh, from a column from Weekly Pro Wrestling, which is a Japanese weekly publication. I want to give them their credit. And she wrote it like she wrote the statement herself. Yes, this was an article written by her. Um, and I'm going to give you some quotes. Uh, start, start with this. AEW is an organization that is constantly changing. And the players come and go very rapidly. TV and YouTube. If you've been following AEW on Fight TV or YouTube, you'll know... That the women's division in particular has seen an increase in the number of young, cute, and dynamic players over the past year. At the time of the launch, the women's division of AEW relied heavily on Japanese female pro wrestlers. And that was one of the selling points of the division. But that was only for a while after the launch. Nowadays, being a Japanese female pro wrestler is not as much of an advantage as it used to be. On the contrary... That's become more of a handicap in terms of a language barrier, obtaining a work visa and the Corona disaster. I myself am no exception to this. And even as a member of the of AEW, since it's exception and a former world champion, women's champion, I am struggling to survive in the current AEW. In AEW, there is a high degree of freedom for the players. But because of that, everything is their responsibility. For example, there is basically no assistance from the organization in finding a place to live, even if you are Japanese. That's how it was for me. So when I heard that Sakura-san, Emi Sakura, was moving to the U.S., I was worried. I was worried. I've been studying English since I was a child, and I speak English better than most people think, but I still had a lot of trouble. Sakura-san, on the other hand, was at a level where even daily conversation was questionable. Even so, she found a room on her own and is desperately trying to seize the opportunity at AEW. But even though she came to America with such determination, she was not given a chance to participate in the TV matches. There is a fierce battle to get a chance to compete before you can show off your skills in a match. That is what AEW is today. Finally, she wrote, AEW is an organization that is always pursuing new possibilities, and I don't think that Japanese women's rep, I don't, excuse me, and I don't think that Japanese women's wrestling has disappeared from that list of options. Once Corona settles down, there will be a day when AEW and Japanese women's wrestling can interact in a new way. That being said, I would like to take this opportunity to say that even if we were able to sign a contract, it's just the start. So couple of things that
3: uh, jumped out to me. Um, some of the issues that she pointed out are, you know, beyond really the scope of control of really anybody. The pandemic, nobody saw that coming. Yep. Um, and work visas were going to be an issue regardless for any kind of foreign talent, whether they're from Canada or Japan or Germany or wherever. Uh, but that largely falls on the company number one yes um the language barrier though again that would have been an issue regardless but again the this comes back to this lack of structure which is something that big swole had talked about but also like the leaving them kind of on their own my real initial and immediate thought was like kenny omega what the fuck bro You are like the fluent Japanese speaker and you are also an immigrant in terms of the United States. So you, because you're Canadian, so you have experience navigating that system as an executive of the company, like, and as the person who's overseeing the Joshi's and as the person who like really pushed so hard for their like involvement, how are you not taking more of a role in like making sure they have basic needs met like fucking housing?
2: It makes me wonder how much power he really has.
3: Um. So that was. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Like, and if you don't, then like, why are if if you can't do anything about it, then why aren't you calling up like the New Japan Strong people? Because a lot of these yes. Joshi's are in. Impl- because a lot of these Joshi's are employed
2: with fucking Stardom, which is owned by the same fucking company. Well, she wrote? There's even if he doesn't have any power, because I always felt like the EVPs except for Cody. Feel so like that those those positions were kind of ceremonial, right? Mm-hmm. Like a like a pastor emeritus or like the queen. She ain't got no power, but she has a level of of ceremony, right? Um, but even if you don't have that kind of power, you can do something enough to make a call or figure out a way to help these people get ingratiated. If you want them to work in your company, first and foremost, you have to sponsor the work visa for them to come over. So number one, you've already done enough work. Oh. Right, you've already cared enough to do the work to get their work visa. It ain't that much more work to say, okay. And even even WWE w doesn't do this to at, at super extent level, but they have the structure of NXT where Funaki works down there, and they have enough people to help them get settled in the place where they want to get settled. That you got, there's got to be something better there for this. Like that's unacceptable to me. You know, I'm not saying they need to get find them housing. I'm not saying they need to pay for their housing, but you can at least help them get the housing that they want or need. You know what I'm
3: saying? Yeah. And so, like, that's not even getting into some of the other things. So, like, when she talked about the constantly evolving company stuff, which I mean, obviously is just like polite corporate speak. Really, what I was thinking there is like, yeah, see, y'all thought that work rate was going to be enough and that the fact that these Joshis can all go in the ring so fucking well was going to be enough. And then you realized that nah, eventually for an American audience, they're going to have to like tell a story of some sort for anybody to care, because otherwise this just feels like an exhibition instead of an actual like. Part of the show, and so I'm just like, I had said from the beginning, this is why some of these women should have had valets. You bring in Vicky Guerrero and give her to fucking Nyla Rose, who, who can flew, talk. yeah, who can talk and doesn't need a goddamn manager. Meanwhile, you've got people like you know she does in, English has improved a lot. I want to give her mm-hmm. a lot of credit. Her English has improved so much, but she said in interview she's been learning it since she was a kid. Yeah, I, but I'm saying, like, I just do want to acknowledge, like, her English has yeah. improved so fucking much. But, yeah. like, some of these other people, like, Maki Ito is really over because she's incredibly charismatic. But right now her English is real, like, so-so. The only real words she says are cuss words, which is why she's Yeah, <laughs> so it's just like, okay, cool. You can play into that, but, like, that's who you give Vicky to. That's who, you know... Mark,
2: Mark Sterling. Jay Cargill don't need a, a fucking valet. Yeah, Mark, well, Mark unlike, Sterling.
3: Well, unlike utilizing other talent, like utilizing people who manage certain talents, like... So, for example, Maria, uh, Maria Bennett managing Mike Bennett obviously makes sense, but Maria also has the versatility to be able to be a manager for... Multiple other talents and companies have used her in that way. Like Tavon, impact, Cole, used, yeah.
0: yeah.
3: Impact used her in that way. She got a lot of the women over. She got other men over. Like, use your people wisely.
2: The most over Allie's ever been was
3: against Maria. Yeah, like use your fucking people wisely, and they didn't use the Joshi's well then the in the meantime the english speaking wrestlers that they had that were green as fuck finally like had the opportunity to figure character out figure like tv tv out learn how to do where they fit within the product and so now all of a sudden you have like women who can go well enough to be on television that already speak the language and so now being a Joshi does become a hindrance because they put it all entirely on you to get yourself over and don't help you at all.
2: And you know, I think one of the worst things that happened in the Division was the fact, and this is going to sound fucked up, but hear me out, was that Riho got over. Mm-hmm. I think that was bad for the Division. I say that because she's fantastic and she deserves to be over. But at the very beginning, they just threw out all the Joshi they could throw out there mm-hmm. like six, seven, eight of them. Right? And had none of them got over, they would have had to, they would have had to rethink what they were doing and put them yeah. in better situations. Yeah. But Riho got so over it, felt it made them feel like, oh, well, what well, we did worked. So we just keep going and not think about this anymore. And that was such a detriment because Riho is a once-in-a-lifetime person to get over at her size and her charisma level and her wrestling ability to be that much smaller than everybody. And the fact that she had a behemoth like Nyla who bumped. For her being five foot two, 110 pounds. So it was a very yeah. unique situation. But then all the other people who were, all the other Joshi's who were there, with the exception of Sheeta, like Asia Kong was signed. She ain't been back since the first show. Like nope. all these people. but So that didn't work, but they were able to say, well, we got Riho. And I think she at the time, I'm speculating here, I apologize, but I believe she at the time was Kenny's girlfriend. So like, they're good. So we made it. We got Joshi wrestlers. Well, you don't. You have to.
3: And you don't do anything more importantly, she's the second person to say that the company doesn't help the talent. Really? That the company provides a lot of freedom, which is great. But if you're not an Uber creative, if you're somebody who's got the talent to go in the ring, but like you need help with that other part,
0: you're going to flounder.
3: Yeah. You're going to flounder. There because they're not Looking out and they're not Helping and it's really Unfortunate because at some point Like they're going to lose somebody Because of it
2: But that's exactly what Swole said And you know We're not saying they need a a, a writing Group we're not saying they need You know uh, 20 writers For them but it would be Good to have some level of structure Because here's the thing that The open secret right I know I say this all the time. I know you say this, but I I say this at nausea. My people get tired of me saying this shit. But wrestling isn't the only thing that – wrestling isn't what's going to draw, right? No matter how good you are in the ring, for most people, they got to give a fuck about why you're in the ring, right? For most people. And so if people are uncomfortable or naturally shy or there's a language barrier – something which is causing them issues with working on their character and their storylines, they'll never get the opportunity to get on TV because backstage the people who are creative are given a proper leg up. Whereas in WWE, all the writing is fucking terrible, but everybody has a shot, right? Yep.
3: If they decide you have the look and you can go in the ring and they want you to be a star... They're going to make you
2: a fucking star. And the writing is god-awful. It's horrible. Trash. But but, they, but at least everybody's getting the same look. Over there, yeah, you're going to get a chance to wrestle a match on Dark or Rampage, or, or maybe you'll get on the main show once in a while. But if you ain't got no charisma, you ain't got no special look that Tony's fell in love with, Jay Cargill, or any of these things, you'll never get on fucking TV because fortune favors the bold over there. And everybody's not John Moxley. Well and like to the point like
3: I've completely
2: lost my thought. Oh you pulled a rants. Yep. <laughs> well let me say this, and maybe this will get you back on point. Yeah. Um it is interesting to me how this will be perceived after Swole because you know as a society we look at black people way differently than we do people of other races and nationalities. And what she have said, I think the average American can understand, being that she's coming from a different country. Mm -hmm. Whereas Swole, born and raised in Detroit, from the the country, this and that, is saying something that they wanted so desperately to to disagree with. When both people are saying exactly the same thing, Swole said, you know, there's not enough diversity for me. My daughter is watching the show and doesn't see enough people that look like her or her dad. And so it's fine because I know we have people with a diverse roster, but there's not enough representation. For me, Shayna said, well, you said you used Joshi wrestlers and you gave us a pr- of this, that, and the other at the beginning, but now there's not so many anymore. Swole said that, you know, not everybody is 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 good enough to come up with their own material. So some people struggle with that. She Sheila said, "Not everybody here is good enough to come with their own material, especially with the language barrier. So we could use some help with that." They literally said the same things in different contexts, but Swole was vilified, and I don't even think people even talk about the interview. It's just interesting to me.
3: I did think back to what my point had been. My point had been you had brought up how we had both brought up how the WWE writing is terrible. It is garbage, god awful. We know that yeah. it's garbage. But because we know that this is garbage writing and it's done for them, there's a level of understanding among among us that where it's just like, I mean, yeah, this is trash. But I mean, you're just spewing the trash that was given to you. And if you're spewing it well, then like. We you don't blame know?
2: the we don't blame the 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 performer, we blame the company. Great point.
3: Whereas on the flip side, knowing there's so much lack of structure within AEW, it makes me think even more so when some of these segments that happen that are just like what the fuck are they doing? I'm even more so thinking to myself. I'm like, did anybody sign off on this? Was this oh, like- run
2: by like literally anyone beforehand? like all the segments we have with Brandy and Dan Lambert which led to nothing. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly like
3: that where I, like when those things happen like with all of these reports coming out about the like complete lack of structure and how it's kind of left up to the talents to come up with the shit for themselves. I am even more so when the segments go wonky now. I'm thinking to myself, did literally anyone Know this was gonna happen beforehand, like sign off on this. Was this something that like did
2: are there production meetings? Do these happen? Well, let me can I can I can I answer that question in a funny way? Yeah. Remember, uh, we laughed about this personally in, in a personal conversation and t- through text, but on the statement that Tony khan released thanking Cody and Brandy for what they did, at the bottom of it, his nameplate said Owner, CEO, President, and Head of Creative. Like so clearly, if he got all those hats, oh, I think he also
3: said General Manager.
2: Probably did. And that's just AEW. Not to mention, he's the General Manager of Fulham, and he's like the Director of Business Operations for the Jaguars. Oh my God, what are we doing? So no wonder these people aren't getting anything done because 75 people got to talk to one dude. And just because he'll talk to you doesn't make him better than Vince. Owners, you know what I'm
3: saying? I'm a, a, CEO and head of creative. Creative what? Creating what? What are you creating? You've had three... You've had like two or three different people who point blank said that it's up to the talent to create their own thing. Y'all brag all the time about the amount of
2: creative freedom that you give to your talent. So what are you creating? I gotta say, dog, and I know some AW fans are gonna like this, and I, I don't give a fuck, but more and more of day, it becomes apparent to me that it feels like AEW is, is as successful as it is, almost in spite of Tony. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because, again, again, I have a myriad of issues with a lot of the creative issues and the backstage issues and the way things are run, and I think they have some storylines that are absolutely stupid and don't make sense. I think they rely too much on the fact that they can wrestle. But ultimately, if you fucking turn on AEW on Wednesday night and on Friday night for the two hours and the one hour you watch, the show is really good! So it's like with all of this other stuff, it's almost like it is it is successful almost in spite of Tony.
3: You know, I don't disagree. I just wonder for how long because I'm just like, you know, a different Vince, not McMahon, mm-hmm. but a different Vince was head of creative for some companies for quite a while. And things were really, really good for a long time. And then things got real bad, real fast. And I just wonder, because TK is new still, I just, especially as being the official head of everything and with Cody leaving like more than ever, the head of everything. I'm just like, for how long can you sustain
2: this? Tony needs to figure out if he wants to be uh, Eric Bischoff or Jim Ross. Ooh, good analogy. I don't think it can be both. And people will say, well, Vince is. Well, Vince is not both because Vince has a structure in place. I was going to say Vince
3: always had a Jim Ross or a Johnny Ace or a Triple H or...
2: We laugh at how corporate they are, but there are 20 producers who help build the matches and work with the talent. And there are 20 writers who are write for all the talent. And then there are a head of there's a head of creative, there's a head of there's a there's a head of creative in general, then there's a head of Raw, the head of SmackDown, the head of NXT, and then there's the Lysand on Vince. And so like there's and so many And that's not even things. getting
3: into the fact and that's not even getting into the fact not this has nothing to do with age itself. But that's yeah. not even getting into the fact that like Vince grew up in this business. This is yes, all Vince has ever known. Vince's dad was a carny, just like Vince is a carny. So like... His grandpa was a carny. Yeah. Shout out Yeah. So like Vince comes from a long line of carny promoters. So like Tony is still for the, like, essentially
2: cosplaying and doing fantasy booking. Yeah. Yeah, thanks. And he books like his fantasy booking. He books like he's still booking an EFED. And
3: I think we've said it before, that all works great week to week, but can you string that years down the line without it getting convoluted and ridiculous and overbooked and crazy?
2: And that's why it's such a big deal to me, Cody left, because Cody could have been his JR. So, you know, and I know they got JR, so that's kind of ironic in its own sense, but you know, they need somebody, you know. And I know Daniels, I think, is over the talent. And I know Arn and Dean play a big role backstage and whatnot. But Billy Gunn just had an interview where he said these motherfuckers don't listen to us. He
3: literally just said that like. And he's ago. not the first one. And
2: he's not the first one. Jr. has said
3: it. Um, Tony has said it. A lot of the a lot of the old heads out there have said like. No, we tell them, don't do this shit, or like, hey, this shit doesn't make sense, or hey, we should be doing this instead, or hey, blah, like, we tell them that, and they just don't
2: listen and do whatever the fuck they want to do. You got Arn Anderson, Dean Malenko, Jerry Lynn, Billy Gunn, Christopher Daniels, even though he's still technically active, Jake the Snake Roberts. Tully and, Blanchard And literally every
3: single one of them With the exception of Tully Because I haven't seen any interviews of his But literally every single name That you have just mentioned Has gone on record yep. Saying we t- do give them this advice And they don't listen We do what tell mean? them not to do And they don't listen
2: And you and can I, can I be honest here You know why they don't listen Because Tony lets them know That they don't have to
3: Yep Tony has established that as long as you're making him happy, it doesn't matter what you're doing.
2: Yep. If I let my daughter eat ice cream for dinner and she goes home and doesn't want to eat dinner, whose fault is it? Mine. Because I let her know she doesn't have to. I didn't back up when she was wrong. So, uh, yeah, man, Tony, you, you, nobody can be Vince because it's such a unique situation. You can, but you can be the you can be the closest thing to Vince. But you got to figure out if you want to be Eric Bischoff and be over business, or Jr. and be over creative and talent. You can't be both, dog. Not anymore. Company too big. If this was Impact, this was GCW. Bret Lauderdale does it all himself. And doing a damn good job. All right, cool. You're too big now, bro. Too big.
3: All right. Well, you know, Tony gets his funny money from Daddy Shad's blood money. Um and it's time for a different version of blood money
2: this weekend yeah man um I made the joke with you before the show um that there is a level of irony to me and I know all of these conversations about the Saudi Arabia shows always have to be taken with the level of of tax because I know how people feel about it and I know absolutely the connotations that this, Brings and whatnot, but I made the joke to you earlier that uh you know it's almost like we damned ourselves and shot ourselves in the foot as a fan base, because so many of us bitched about the original Saudi Arabia shows being glorified house shows that didn't matter and stopped the flow of regular storylines. And they were like, well I'll show you motherfuckers, and now these shows fucking matter. Elimination Chamber is the everybody knows consistently. You got the Rumble, you got Mania, and in the middle is the Elimination Chamber to get you to Mania. But that motherfucker's in Jeddah this weekend and it is fucking ironic as fuck. So um I mean good for, for the sure, fans.
3: Good for the fans, I guess. Like fuck the house aside, fuck Saudi Arabia, not the people, the country. Yeah. Like fuck everything about this show. But canonically the matches matter, so let's run down this card real quick and then get out of here.
2: Uh, all right, let's start with the one match that really doesn't fucking matter. One of these things is not like the other. Hmm. Um, Drew McIntyre versus Madcap Moss in the Falls County kind of Anywhere match.
3: <laughs> Drew McIntyre next.
2: Drew should win, but I will say that if they really want to extend this shit to WrestleMania, which please God, don't, then Madcap Moss got to win by some shenanigans from Corbin, but okay. Um, In a match that actually uh, was just signed, Ronda, Rousey, and Naomi are going to fight Sonya Deville and Charlotte Flair in a tag match, and apparently the stipulation that will be announced on Friday, because, you know, they taped both yeah, shows time, match, is that R- Ronda has to wrestle this match with one arm tied behind her back. She said the shit in a random-ass uh, backstage promo, and I guess because Sonya is still a official, she's going to actually book it as such. So, what you think? By the way, shout out to the fact that Naomi's still being put in major fucking storyline situations. I'm here for it. So I feel like
3: I feel like the faces win in spite of the odds because I feel like this sets up both of these feuds going into Mania because they're both going to result in one-on-one matches in Mania. And the right. only way that Sonya will uh, put herself in a one-on-one with Naomi is if Naomi gets her go again. And Sonya's just like, bitch, you and I will fight. And Naomi makes her put her authority on the line. And this is how Sonya is no longer an authority figure after WrestleMania.
2: Booking one-on-one with Kyle Morris. Well done. Um so now let's talk about a match that I think took too fucking long to happen cuz they this shit was uh almost booked essentially 2 months ago. SmackDown Tag Team Championships. The Viking Raiders are facing the Usos. Like
3: I don't know. I guess I'll call for the switch just to give the people of Saudi Arabia one like feel good moment for
2: tonight. I will say that had this been any other time than right before WrestleMania, I, I would have given the Viking Raiders a legitimate shot here. But I think the continued story of Roman and the bloodline, and now reunited with Paul, all as champions, is bigger than a random switch on the show before Mania. That's fair. So I've got the Usos here. But any other given... Had this been in September, I would have said the Viking Raiders. Legit. Because... The 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 joke is to me, but Vince clearly gives a fuck about these guys because he's the only they're the only non-major tag team that consistently wins matches. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, they do. It's weird. Yeah. All right. Um. Raw Women's Championship. Lita versus Becky Lynch.
3: Well, I mean, Becky gonna win. Lita, please don't hurt yourself, baby.
2: Um. I feel like Lita's gonna try to do too much. Yep, that's my worry. My, the real question here is: Is Lita gonna stay for Mania? She had an interview where she said that she's only booked for this match. But man, I would love for her to stay for Mania and maybe give Bailey a shot, or maybe her versus Sasha if Sasha isn't added to the Charlotte Ronda match. Because Lita is damn. Everybody on that roster is like dream match. So. Um.
3: I don't know. I think that if they ask her to, she'll stay. I don't think
2: she'll turn it down. Do you think so you think they gotta ask her? You don't think she, she would yeah. offer?
3: I, I think they I think that at this point in her career, because she's a Hall of Famer and a legend, I think that's like I think that's just a general like courtesy and respect of just like you contracted me for this show. I'm here for this show. If you wanna contract me for the next one, like I'm here to do business with you, but, like, I'm not about to come begging for work.
2: That's a great point. And for the record, I'm glad that I know they did it with Trish very slightly. but I'm glad that they're starting to finally again treat these women's legends with some level of respect, that they're that they're the major um, situation of coming back. Like when Goldberg comes back, it's a big deal. When Brock comes back, it's a big deal. But the women, a lot of times it was out of there. It's a big fucking deal to lead us back here. And I appreciate that. I agree.
3: I just I think it's it's still a little surreal for me that because of how long they waited to actually do that. Yeah. A lot of the legends that we're getting are the like legends of the divas era.
2: Michelle McClure.
3: Yeah, like Melina. I love Melina. And like I, I would be here for Melina coming back for like an actual program and an actual match and just like, you know, a short little thing. I would absolutely be here for that cuz she can still go. Yeah. Um but it's just like a little surreal to me that it's just like, oh, y'all waited so long that the like legends of the original era of women's wrestling are mostly too old to like really still do it.
2: Perfect example of this, Beth Phoenix. Mm-hmm. All right, man. Let's talk about the universal title match before we get into the chambers. Old man Goldberg wants to fight Roman. Now, the last time you heard these airwaves, I think I uh, made my brother Kyle almost lose his mind because it's just I just just putting her. it out in the juju. Like, oof. I pitched the scenario where Goldberg wins this match. Roman and Brock is the match that it should be without the title. And Goldberg faces Big E and Big E wins the championship at WrestleMania. So, so if that's anyway, gonna happen, it got to happen Saturday. So Goldberg and Roman.
3: So anyway, after our tribal chief wins this match and goes to <laughs> WrestleMania, he'll have his epic stare down with Dwayne.
2: Did you so did you see the tweet? Yeah, so I saw the, the tweet. Okay. I saw the tweet. Jimmy Iovine. If you guys don't know, especially if you're not in America, Super Bowl was this past Sunday. G-Funk halftime! Greatest? Hyperbole. Yes, I know. But I haven't enjoyed a halftime like that in a long time.
3: Because we're finally old enough to get nostalgic.
2: I'm saying, right, like I would see people get excited about Paul McCartney or fucking Bruce Springsteen, and I'm now I get it. I, I fucking understand. Um, But no, The Rock did the introduction for both teams on the field. Jimmy Iovine, um, uh, a guy on Twitter, famous guy, uh, even might be the guy of a beats, I think, whatever it is, um, tweeted Rock that he's disappointed that when he said the millions, he didn't pause for the crowd to say millions. And Rock responded and said, well, you ain't got to wait too much longer, bro, for the pause. Which means, once again, Booking 101 by Kyle Morris. Yeah, yeah. It's coming. It's coming. So, So, I believe you said Roman wins.
3: Um, I believe that my tribal chief will take care of this business and move on to more important things, such as finishing the love triangle.
2: Would you like to discuss the match in any way, form, or fashion?
3: Um, no. Roman Reigns <laughs> wins. Now let's talk about Lumber Brock in the Chamber. <laughs>
2: love you so much, dog. Let's say that for last, because there's women's okay, elimination chamber match. I,
3: for one, look forward to Roman Reigns versus Lumberjack. That's all I'm saying.
2: Oh hell yeah! This is the best story they've ever had, and they've been feuding for a fucking decade. Um, let's let's get the women's elimination chamber match first. You got dewdrop. The fact that there's a women's elimination chamber match in Saudi Arabia just feels so weird. It feels weird, and I know how you feel about this, which is why I don't really want to. I don't want to. Oh, it's progress. Things. No, it's progress, but like that's massive fucking fuck progress. Saudi
3: Arabia still.
2: Uh,
3: uh, I'm now. Look, me, you want same page with
2: that? Yes. Um, do drop Liv Morgan, Rhea Ripley, Nikki Ash, Bianca Belair, and at the time, the sixth spot was a mystery, but we've now been explained that Alexa Bliss has been cured of her lily affliction. And is the sixth member of the Elimination Chamber. The winner will face whoever beats, wins out of Lila and Becky at WrestleMania. So I'm gonna jump the gun right here and say, I didn't told you motherfuckers since SummerSlam that it was gonna be Bianca versus Becky at WrestleMania. So I'm just saying. This match doesn't have enough Bailey. Man, clearly she is not healthy. I Why know. the fuck else would she not be back by now? I'm just like, girl, where are you? Yes. I miss
3: you. Not Bailey, you to come still, back.
2: Yeah, both of y'all, please. Ugh.
3: Let me know
2: you're all right.
3: Yeah, so not enough Bailey, but yeah, I'm
2: going to say probably Bianca will win this match. Mm-hmm. I will say that they made Rhea look fucking fantastic on Monday. So there's a shot there, but um, I would go Bianca because that makes the most sense for everybody um alexa comes
3: in last everybody's afraid of her they gang up on her and she gets eliminated
2: first i think they would do have a do drop because their job would be the biggest threat
3: oh i think everybody's still going to be freaked out by alexa and like
2: oh is she really done with her freaky thing okay okay that's fair um all right you want the lumber Brock match the wwe championship Brock Lesnar, Seth Rollins, Austin Theory, Don't Call Me Matt Riddle, AJ Styles, and the champ Bobby, Bob Lashington, as my boy Max says.
3: I wish Bobby was gonna win this match. I really do. I really want Bobby to win this match. Don't 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 do it. Don't do it, Kyle. I want him to do I want Don't don't make that prediction. Don't you it. So what should happen is Bobby Lashley should walk out of this match, still the WWE champion. Unless Seth Rollins is going to walk out of this match with the WWE title. However, I think Vince has decided to take the best version of that story and turn it into something reductive. God
2: damn it. God
3: so, God damn it. I just I just can't see a world where Lumber Brock agrees to take the pinfall in this
2: match. Well, okay. So, let's, let's do this. First and foremost... If you watch or follow Pat McAfee online... Man, that was a hilarious appearance. That is the greatest Brock Lesnar interview he's ever done in his entire life. It's
3: the most human he's ever looked.
2: Like, And and I'm not shocked that Pat Pat McAfee got that out of him because Pat McAfee is maybe one of the best interviewers slash content creators going in the fucking world right now. He just does something about him that gets the best out of people.
3: Well, it's because he doesn't take himself seriously, and that's disarming for people, especially somebody who has as much money as he does. That's very disarming for people. Great point. Um, Like, he's, like, Hall of Fame caliber player at his position, but he plays a position that, like, nobody gives a shit about. Yeah,
2: exactly.
3: (laughs) So, but anyway, like, legitimately the most human Lumberbrock has ever looked like Ever, I have yeah. never seen him seen him look so much like a real human being with like feelings and opinions and like the ability to connect to others.
2: Agreed, completely. So now, now I only bring that up number one because I think it was relevant to talk about, but two because you said you can't see a world where he would agree to take the pin. Brock clearly talked. He don't really give a fuck about winning and losing. He just cares about. Making money and does it make sense? And I will cite you. Remember when um after WrestleMania twenty-five, Sean lost to Taker and he started losing his mind once he got closer to, to WrestleMania twenty-six and Hunter tried to keep keep him in line and Sean kept saying, I can't I I gotta get back. And so at the in the elimination chamber, Taker was the WWE was the world champion and Shawn popped up from underneath the the cage to superkick uh Taker, Jericho 1, and that's how we got Taker Shawn 2 and Jericho Edge. I could see a world where Roman or the Usos or somebody tries to get into the cage to fuck with Brock. So what you're saying is Chris Jericho is coming back to the WWE? Oh yeah, 2024 once his contract is up, damn sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. But well, we knew that. We knew that. I still think Moxley's gonna come back eventually. So yeah, we knew that. Jericho coming back, bro. Don't get it fucking twisted.
3: Oh I know. He's not gonna let Kevin Owens go unpunished.
2: He, well that he he said so much just a couple days ago. And that check in the Hall of Fame is gonna sound oh so luscious on his skins. Oh yeah. yeah. Um so look, you're probably right. Brock's probably gonna win. Um, I'm that don't mean act- we gotta like it. No, and I don't. And I hate it because I hate it because this is the best Brock's ever been. This is the best Brock versus Roman's ever been. And now you're gonna fuck it up with two titles. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go out on the limb and say Seth wins because I have heard on good authority that Bobby is working really hurt. So. They may give Bobby an easy match of mania just to get out so he can get the payday. And then let him go off and get healthy. And Seth can... And if anybody... I know there ain't no fucking deserving wrestling. I know it's not. But if you can even semblance the word deserving in your mind. If anybody deserves to fight for a world title this year, Seth Rollins has done everything asked of him. So... Yeah, but that's I'm I'm gonna go with Seth.
3: I mean, I hope that it's either him or Bobby.
2: I really do. I do. But yeah, but you're right. You're probably gonna be right. God damn it! Booking one one with the fucking Doctor S'mores, damn it! <sighs>
3: wow. Well, in any case, y'all, you can find me on Twitter at Doctor S'mores. You can find Good Brother Branson. Me-
2: yeah, yeah. At It's Ray Cash R Y S and Mysterio C A S H S and dollars. Quick shout out Brian Danielson and Samoa Joe going into the Ring of Honor Hall of Fame. Why the fuck they have Hall of Fame? Makes no sense. But shout out to the fact that they're there. All now, all you gotta do now is give Morishima and Nigel in. We good because that's your pillars, right? Those are the four that made the company. I'm not gonna mention that guy whose last name is the Zodiac. Oh, I mean, yeah, they'll they'll get in though. You know. Jamie, Jamie Noble, James Gibson, like, yeah, those guys deserve some love because there is no Ring of Honor. AJ, even Punk.
3: Just especially shout punk. out to Ring of Honor for having a Hall of Fame. I don't know why they have one, but good for them. There are a lot of great names that come out of that.
2: I, I trust their Hall of Fame more than Impact's, for damn sure. <laughs> yes, get us out of here. Sorry. By the way. You can find
3: the show on Twitter at C S. We are part of the Chairshot Radio Network at Chairshot, where you...
2: Or Keep at Chairshot Media where are you. Keep getting them zeros and always use your head.
3: And as always, y'all, we here at the outsider's edge are some increasingly older gentlemen trying to do everything we can to make it out here in this world. And sometimes we're gonna hit you with them like facts like Rance told you Cody Rhodes was gonna come back
2: to the WWE. I better fucking listen.
3: And other times we're gonna hit you with them facts like Swole told y'all that AEW ain't have no fucking structure and that that shit was not cool.
2: Y'all better fucking listen.
3: But no matter what, we just out here chasing our dreams, and y'all got to respect that. Because if you don't, well, just like Vince McMahon and Blood Money,
2: we sure don't give a fuck. That was good, but I would have used, just like Tony Khan and Cody Rhodes... Welcome. But fuck them. Yes,
3: we'll see y'all later. Thanks for listening. Catch y'all next time.